0: Kristen and I recently watched a Ryan Gosling movie by the name of Gray Man. It's quite an intense movie, but in the early portion of the movie, Ryan Gosling has charge of a young lady about 11 or 12 years old, and she has some medical issues, and it's particularly affecting her breathing, and she has to go to the hospital to receive treatments for the condition that she has. And when he came in, he said, How are things going? Something like that. And she said, just another Thursday. Then toward the end of the movie, he wound up going through a very intense fight series. And there was gunshots and there was mayhem. But in the end, he was able to protect this young lady. And she asked something. And his reply to her was, just another Thursday. Well, today has been one of those just another Thursdays. Actually, it's been another Thursday on steroids. Seems like that if anything could happen, it did happen today. And that law enforcement thing took up a lot of my time. In fact, I finished my last report uh, just about 8.30 on Thursday night. And so we really have not had the opportunity today to be able to record an episode, so we went back into last year, and we pulled out one that we think you will like, and it's the categories of items that need to go into our get-home bags, or our car bags, or bug-out bag, if that's what you prefer, so this is from last year, and we just hope you enjoy this, and we'll get right to it when we come back. Many new people have come into prepping after the year that we've had. You saw what happened. The business shutdowns. You saw the shortages, or you know those who did. We endured lockdowns. You saw all this and decided that you need to get ready for the next time something happens, and it will. For most of us, it's going to be our most likely events, going to be some type of weather issue, whether it's tornado, hurricane, snow, ice, wildfire. We could even see an economic downturn. We saw social unrest and riots, and there could be more. Or we could go through some type of a job loss. Many began stocking up on food, water, toilet paper, paper towels, and that's a good start. Many didn't stick with it and are probably no better prepared than they were a year ago. I'm guessing you've stuck with it. Or maybe you're brand new to this. Welcome to the lifestyle. Let me encourage you to stick with it. Let me tell you, too, that prepping is a personal thing. There's no one way to prep. What you need to prep for may be totally different from what we need to prep. Where we live, we aren't concerned about volcanic eruptions, tsunamis, wildfires, or avalanches. We're just not going to see those unless there were to be some type of world-changing event. We are going to have tornadoes. We'll see them in our area this year, next year, the year after, the year after, and we prepare for those. In most years, if we have a snow event where we live, we just have another cup of coffee and the roads are clear in a few hours. But every few years, we have a snow and ice event which takes everything down and takes out the power to many in the area. Remember, we live in North Alabama. We live in the South. Snow is not a great big issue here, but once in a while. And in 1993, it was us that was without power for seven days, and it could happen again, so we prepare for that. If you're just getting started, let me suggest you listen to episode number 52 on getting started, and episode number one where we tell our story and how we prep. Let me also encourage you, if you're just starting out, not to get overwhelmed. You can't do it all at one time or even in a short period of time. It takes a while. It becomes a lifestyle and you'll never feel like you are where you want to be. Always feel like you need to add some more preps. Okay, you've considered starting or you've started with some food, water, and toilet paper. That's good. You've been reading up on prepping. You've been listening to podcasts. Maybe you've decided you need to take it a step further and build a bug-out bag or a get-home bag. Now let's talk about those for a moment. When people talk about bug-out bags or get-home bags, the definitions vary. A bug-out bag usually is one that they intend to go live in the woods till the danger passes or they've defended the planet from alien zombie frogs. It's got everything that you could desire to have to go away and live in the woods like a mountain man for years if necessary. Our bug out bag is quite different. We look at that as as a way that we can leave quickly, but we'll be staying somewhere else. We might be having to leave the house. It could be for a chemical spill nearby, and we've got five minutes to get out of the house. It could be we get a phone call and a family member is in the emergency room. It might be that we need to leave and we'll be staying in a hotel or we'll be staying with family or we'll be sitting in the waiting room. It's a bag that we can grab and go. A couple of changes of clothes, phone chargers, some snacks, writing tablets, just the things that we might need for an overnight or two-day stay in an emergency room waiting room. Just be aware, those definitions vary. Now, a GHB, a get-home bag, that's what most folks are talking about when they talk about building a bug-out bag. It's actually a get-home bag. It's a bag that you carry in your car, and it's a bag that lets you get home or lets you rough it for a few days if you had to. Some call it a 72-hour bag. We call ours car bags, and yes, We could live in the woods for a few days if we had to get home on foot. Whatever you call it, it's a good thing to have. Now, remembering that your bag is going to look a lot different than our bag. It's going to contain different things in it than our bag, but there are some categories, and and we're going to list 10 categories here that are essential to have in either a get-home bag or a bug-out bag if you're planning to take that bag and go live in the woods for a week or so if you had to first thing that you need to consider is water. You're not going to be able to carry gallons and gallons of water. You know, they recommend a gallon per day per person. So if Krista and I are traveling together, that's two people. If we figured on being able to live out of that bag for three days, we'd be talking about six gallons of water. We're not going to be carrying six gallons of water in our car or on us. Now, we're going to carry some water. If we're traveling, we carry a one-gallon jug of water. Plus, we carry in our bags a couple of water bottles, but we also have a water filter. There are a couple of really good ones on the market. Life Straw is very good. We like the Sawyer Mini for one reason. It will filter up to 100,000 gallons of water, so... I think the life straw is like 10,000 gallons and the Sawyer Mini is 100,000, but we do like the Sawyer Mini, so that's what we carry in ours, and it will screw on top of a standard water bottle or a two-liter bottle, something like that. So you can, if you carry multiple bottles, you've got two bottles to drink to start with, and then you can fill one of those bottles with dirty water out of it creek or stream or whatever and then you can screw it onto that filter and squeeze that water through the filter into your other bottle and then do it again and have that second bottle ready when you need it so you need to consider water how are you going to handle that now food here again i can be a big eater and we're not going to be able to carry enough food for me to have three meals a day for three days in the woods but one thing that we keep in our bags, and you know we're we're not planning to have to use it for that three days. They come into play like when Krista was caught on the bridge in South Carolina, stuck in traffic for seven hours. There's always some food and water in there, and anything that's heat resistant emergency food items are are good to have now, I carry jerky in my bag. I keep an unopened bag of jerky in there, and I love it. I love jerky. It's a good protein source. We keep peanuts, bags of peanuts in there, or even a jar of peanuts. I think in my bag, I have a small jar of peanut butter. You carry granola bars, protein bars. But now, again, I'm not going to be able to carry enough food to eat for three days. So I carry some fishing line hooks and sinkers. If we're having to use this bag to get home, to try to get home, and we talk about sometimes when we're traveling, if we had to get home from here, if the big pop took out every vehicle, if there was an EMP, CME, I don't think it would take out every vehicle that's newer, but it might. And if we had to walk home from where we are, how long would it take? And sometimes from the distance that we are, that could take 10 or 12 days for us to be able to walk home from there. So we could fish in streams or lakes or rivers along the way, but we can also forage. We can look for fruit. We can look for edible plants in the woods, and there are many books on that. And you can become familiar with what you can forage as you eat. Nuts, berries, just just find out what's safe to eat. Now, a very important part of your bag or of your survival equipment is a knife. We carry a good fixed blade knife. I personally carry a USMC K-Bar, and this knife was built in the 70s, and it's the genuine issued real deal. And it's good, it's strong, it's sturdy. I can do some chopping with it. I can do cutting, uh, all kinds of things. And and another thing about a fixed blade knife is it won't fold up on your fingers, so you're not going to close your fingers up in it. But I do carry a lock blade folding knife as well. Now that's good for smaller projects than I would use the K-Bar for. I could even, I'd hate to do this with my knife, but I could even dig with that K-Bar if I had to, which I wouldn't do with that lock blade folding knife, but I could use the lock blade folding knife doing skinning or something like that if I had to. Then I also carry a pocket knife. That would get down to if I'm peeling a piece of fruit or something like that, uh, I would be able to use that. But now the the lock blade and the pocket knife, they are on me all the time. They're they're EDC items. I carry those every day. And another thing that I carry every day, plus we have in our bags, particularly Krista, because she doesn't wear a belt. So she's not going to be wearing one uh, with her every day, even though she carries one in her purse. And that's a multi-tool. There are a number of good brands of multi-tools out there. I like the Gerber and the Leatherman. I've carried both. At this very moment, I'm carrying a Gerber, and it gives you pliers. There's a can opener on there. There's a file. Screwdrivers It's truly a multi-purpose tool. And in addition to that, it has a knife blade, so you can use it for a knife as well. Category number three, fire. You need a number of starting options when it comes to fire. Now, I'm not going to say go learn how to use a bow drill. That's fine if you want to. It'd be a great skill to have. I don't have that. I've never started a friction fire of any kind, but I carry lighters, matches, and a ferro rod. It seems to me like the easiest thing to do when it comes to starting a fire is to take that piece of wet fire tinder that I have and light it with a lighter or light it with a match. And I carry a couple of these in my bag. I carry a couple of boxes of matches in my bag, and those are in Ziploc bags as well. And then I carry the ferro rod as a backup to each and every one of those systems. But you need something and at least one backup method in there. Category number five, medical. You need a good first aid kit to be able to handle minor trauma, to be able to Bandage up small wounds, even band-aids, antibacterial cream, things like that. Now, I would suggest a tourniquet. Invest in a good tourniquet and learn how to use that. In one of my bags, I carry a SWAT-T. SWAT-T is good for making a compression bandage. It's a good tourniquet for using on other people, but it'd be difficult to put it on your own arm if you needed to. But a tourniquet's a good thing to have with you anyway. Also, some over-the-counter medications, stomach medications, diarrhea medications, Benadryl for allergic reactions, pain relief. It can be ibuprofen. It can be acetaminophen. It can be whatever you carry for over-the-counter pain medication. You'd be good to have some of those in there. And I will add under medical as well to add some moleskin to take care of blisters. We're going to be doing a blister episode coming up shortly. And we'll tell you a little bit more about how to handle those and how to avoid them. But it's good to have some mole skin to cover blisters as well. Category number six, and these are in no particular order, hygiene. Now, in our bags, we carry a roll of toilet tissue, took that center roll out, mashed it down, put it in a ziplock bag, carry it there, and we have it if we need it. We also carry a small bar of soap and a bottle of hand sanitizers. We don't want to be making ourselves sick because of a lack of hygiene. Category number seven, communications. We carry, and we're both licensed ham radio operators, so we both carry a small handheld band radio, and the ones that we carry, we can also receive AM, FM stations on there. But even if you don't carry a two-way radio, Even a GMRS or an FRS radio might not be a bad thing to have. You might be able to get some help with that if you needed to. But at least in your bag, have some way to receive one-way communications, AM, FM radio. You may be able to get some information about what's going on. Category number eight is shelter. Now, we're not going to be carrying a tent in the car. We're not going to be carrying a tent in the bag. But we do carry a number of emergency blankets. I think we have three or four of those rather inexpensive Mylar emergency blankets in our bags. And I've actually used those in the woods when I was hunting. And the temperature had dropped so low and the wind was up. I wrapped my legs, the lower half of my body, I was sitting on the ground. So I wrapped my legs in one of those. And it made that temperature actually tolerable. Now, those emergency blankets in a pinch could be used to make a shelter. So carry some cordage with you. You could put one down on the ground, and you could make a A A-frame type pup tent over it, and you could slide right in there and make it through the night if you had to. Category number nine, navigation. Our apps on our phone are pretty good as long as they're powered up. I use maps program on my phone almost every single day, and it's a good tool to have. But what happens if back to that possibility, not a probability, but a possibility that somebody could throw a couple of EMPs at us, our telephones don't work, we can't receive service, our map program is no longer any good. So carry a compass and a paper map, or at least consider carrying a compass and a paper map. And I like the good old-fashioned compass. I have one that's an engineering compass that you can actually plot a line on it, get your point that you're looking at, and then travel to that tree or to that hill or whatever. And you don't have to constantly be looking at your compass. You can do the same thing with uh, the old-fashioned Boy Scout compass. Liquid field, they're very, very good. We have several of those But you need some type of non-electric compass so that you can be walking, not in circles, but actually walking a straight line to get to where you need to be. All right, category number 10, security. We advocate, and thankfully in the United States, we have the Second Amendment to our Constitution, which guarantees us the God-given right to keep and to carry firearms. We suggest that you have some type of a firearm if you can legally possess that, if you can legally carry it where you normally travel. You don't want to be taking it into an area where you could get yourself in trouble with that. But it's a good thing to have for security if you need it. That firearm could also be used to provide food. You know, in the south we've got rabbits and squirrels and all kinds of little critters that we could eat in the woods and firearm would make it a whole lot easier to, to get a rabbit because I honestly I'm not fast enough to catch a rabbit and I'm kind of doubting that you are either. So firearm is a good thing for that. You can use to protect yourself, but if you can't carry a firearm, you can use that knife. got a good, sturdy, fixed-blade knife. That can be used to protect yourself as well. Otherwise, you can use an impact weapon of some type. You can carry a baton. You can carry a bat. Even a good, long walking stick. And that could be used for security as well. All right, there's the 10 categories. And let's run back over those real quick. And we will put these in the show notes. Water, food, knife, fire, medical, hygiene, communications, shelter, navigation, and security, plus anything else you want to carry or need to carry in your bag. There's lots more that you could or possibly should even have in your bag, but the choice is yours. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook and let us know what else you plan to carry in your bag, and we'll see you next time. We wrote Practical Prepping for Everyday People to help those who want to get started prepping or who want to take their prepping to the next level. If you enjoy this podcast, you likely have friends who would enjoy it as well. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast on your social media accounts. The direct link is in the show notes. And as always, stuff happens. Stay prepared.